Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What the Pell is up, Pelicans fans? My name is Elliot Clough, and this is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. It's actually episode... 21? You stupid! Very excited about that. We're back at it once again after a bit of a break in the action. I usually get you podcasts on Tuesdays, but here we are on a Wednesday getting it to you early in the morning, and I'm very excited to be back at it. We got a couple awesome pods Coming this week, including this one, and another one hopefully coming at you tomorrow. We might have some difficulty with scheduling, but very excited about that. I'll be letting you know who that will be, who the guest will be at the bottom of this podcast. So stick around. We got some awesome stuff coming at you today. If you've been paying attention on Twitter, I put up that poll. I gave a bunch of reminders. I made the poll 48 hours, which is not something I usually do, but I was wondering what you, the fan, thought would be the best docu-series or just a single documentary in Pelicans history. It made me think of this after watching The Last Dance this Sunday on uh, starting the docu-series on the 97-98 Bulls. Last season, MJ, Scottie Pippen, uh, Dennis Rodman were all together under Phil Jackson in Chicago. If you missed it this Sunday, if you have ESPN+, Plus, first of all, go check it out. If you missed it on Sunday, I believe there's another episode coming up this following Sunday. Two episodes, actually. A fantastic, fantastic documentary. It's not a 30 for 30 because it's been going on for so long, but it'll be, I guess, technically 10 episodes, but Damn, if you are a basketball fan, you need to check it out. Those of us in in my generation didn't get to see Prime Jordan other than in highlight videos, other than in maybe replays on ESPN Classic or anything like that. But this time we really get to see in depth what it was like in Chicago during that 97-98 season during the dynasty that was the 90s Chicago Bulls. So if you can check it out one way or another, I highly, highly recommend it. This is not a Bulls podcast. This is a hashtag Pelicans podcast, and I am all about that. You can argue whether or not MJ is the greatest of all time versus LeBron, um, but this is some some quality, quality product that ESPN has put out and has come up earlier because of the, the quarantine that we're in, and we're very, very lucky to have it. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go watch it. If you're just a sports fan in general, super entertaining, super informative, and you just get to look at Jordan and the Bulls in a different light, really get to learn more about what was going on with the franchise at that point in time. So with that said, I think I already said it. I don't know. I'm going to say it again. The topic for today's episode is what moment or or season in Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans, New Orleans Hornets, whatever you want to call it, Oklahoma City Hornets at one point in time, uh, what, what moment or what season in the history of 
the Pelicans franchise, New Orleans franchise, deserves a documentary or even a docu-series. And so I threw out some of my thoughts. We got some interaction with some of you, the listener, some Pelicans fans out there. And I'll be giving you that credit for your interaction with the podcast. You interacted, therefore, your thoughts will be shared on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans because you're an informed listener, and I love sharing your thoughts here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans because we are about you, the listener, here on this podcast. No one else, just you. But first, I will dive into those three options that I had on that poll. Some really, really interesting stuff has happened in the history of this franchise. The Pelicans and the Hornets have had a lot of pretty mediocre seasons, but a lot of success in that time as well with, with Hurricane Katrina coming in and and just the craziness of... You can factor in the Saints in the, the, the New Orleans sports history as well in, in that light with Drew Brees coming to New Orleans, with AD coming, with Chris Paul in there. Um, there. There has been a lot of success. There's been a lot of crazy stories that I'd love to learn more about in, in more in depth through ESPN, through maybe even Fox Sports New Orleans, if they can come together and, and put some content like that out there, like what they've done so well this this while we're in this hiatus uh, uh, with, with the coronavirus that has put off sports and, and specifically New Orleans Pelicans basketball. But that first option in that poll, in the storied history, the storied 18-year history of the New Orleans Pelicans, of the New Orleans Hornets, is the 07-08 New Orleans Hornets team that went 56-26, and the best team that has ever come out of this franchise arguably by talent, but for sure by record, finishing that season with the second best record in the NBA, just behind Kobe's Lakers. Um, it's just a, everything really came together that season, despite some, some uh, turbulence, some difficulties with the front office that has been, that has really plagued New Orleans in the history of their franchise. But uh, this team that was put together had CP3, which was prime, prime CP3. Obviously, he had some really good years in LA. He still had some pretty good years left in Houston, and he's had a resurrection, more or less, of his career in Oklahoma City for the second time being there in Oklahoma City. And I'll get into his stats in a second here, but Tyson Chandler, still pretty young at this point in time, felt old because he had been in the league for seven years, but averaged 11.8 points per game and 11.7 rebounds per game that year. Of course, the man, David West, 20.6 20.6 points per game, 8.9 rebounds per game, and then one of my favorite Pelicans slash Hornets of all time, Mr. Peja Stojakovic, averaging 16.8 points per game and shooting 44% from three. And then to factor in one of those kind of random guys who I really don't think of at all when it comes to that team, because he played a measly five games for them that season at the age of 29, uh, started zero games and averaged 6.8 minutes per game. And that's Chris Anderson, the tattooed man. Birdman is his nickname, obviously. Uh, covered from head to toe in tattoos, obviously, and has had some success in the in the NBA, but he was only around that year for for five games. I'd be I'd be interested to see them just throw him in that documentary just because of the personality that he is. I think that'd be really funny. Um, but just 
talented from top to bottom and Morris Peterson showing uh, flashes that year and shooting really well in the playoffs. Bobby Jackson at the age of 34, Rajwal Butler, RIP, Julian Wright being in there as well. Um, and man, Bonzi Wells at the age of 31, a lot going on on this year's, uh, this year's New Orleans Pelicans, excuse me, New Orleans Hornets roster. And to start off, before we address how this team ended up, before this team got to the playoffs that we haven't seen much of for the Hornets slash Pelicans um, in their in their history, George Shin, owner at the time, was run out of Charlotte five years prior. That's why the Pelicans now are then Hornets moved to New Orleans. He was a multi-millionaire businessman, but made some really bad decisions, was not able to cover, didn't believe he would be able to cover the salaries of of all these players and, and tried to ship Tyson Chandler away before the season even started. A $24.6 million that he did not want to take care of with Tyson Chandler and Chandler was traded to the then Supersonics, who would ultimately become the Oklahoma City Thunder the following year. But the trade was voided because of a failed physical. Um, he had a toe injury, was able to come back and really contributed later on in the season. The dynamic, athletic, defensive rim protector that is Tyson Chandler uh, resurrected really after having that toe injury. So a tumultuous start to the season already, which makes great stuff. For a documentary, gotta love that type of stuff. To add to that, CP3 was runner-up to Kobe in the MVP voting. 21.1 points per game, 4 rebounds, 11.6 assists, 2.7 steals, and 1.23s per game for Mr. Chris Paul. The future looked bright in New Orleans. CP3 at the age of 22, Tyson Chandler at 25, and David West at just 27 years old. It's difficult to imagine David West at 27. The last I remember seeing David West in the NBA was, I believe, the 2015 or 2016 NBA Finals with the Warriors, where he would have been like 34, 35. So it's difficult for me to imagine a younger David West at that point in time. But average 20.6 points per game, David West was balling his brains out. So some really, really just... Things fell together, and they, they really, they really fucking fell together in New Orleans for this team to be successful despite poor leadership from from the owners and from uh, executives and such. Byron Scott led this team. Uh, Chris Paul, this was only his, I believe, his second year in the league, and then thanks to leadership from David West, DePeja Stoyakovich, who was on those really, really talented Sacramento Kings teams. Um, this was just a really good basketball team. And it did, unfortunately, come to an end in the second round for the New Orleans Hornets at the time. Lost to the Spurs, the the uh, classic San Antonio Spurs, taken over between the two thousand between two thousand nineteen ninety nine. Tim Duncan, David Robinson, you know, um, time frame to really twenty. 14 when they beat the Hornets uh, or excuse me beat the Heat in the NBA Finals you just could count on the Spurs breaking your hopes and dreams whenever they really felt like it Greg Popovich just being probably the greatest coach of all time Tim Duncan probably the greatest power forward of all time Manu Ginobili sixth man Tony Parker you know him 
this team was loaded from not necessarily even loaded. They were just really fundamental and disciplined and led by Greg Popovich, one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. So in this series, the Hornets were up 3-2, ended up heading back to San Antonio, lost that one, and then in a Game 7 that was actually in New Orleans as the Hornets were the number 2 seed at the time. At that point in time, in 2008, the home team won Game 7 82% of the time. I believe it was like 76 versus 19 or something like that. That math might not add up, but... That was what it was like. And going into a situation like that as a young fan, it's which I was at the time I was 12, um, it's easy to think, having just really gotten into the sport of basketball, oh, the Hornets have this one. I, yeah, they're going against the Spurs who have won a bunch of championships, but they got this one. They're young. They're, they entered the, the playoffs on a winning streak. They've got it. And in this game seven, the Spurs hit eight more threes than the Hornets did and this was the only game in that entire series where the away team won it was a defensive battle I believe the or excuse me the the Spurs won I think it was 92 to 81 I just saw it but forgive me if I got that incorrect but a defensive battle and in that series Manu Ginobili averaged 21.3 points Tony Parker 19.4 and Timmy D putting up 15.3 combined with 13 rebounds per game and and for the Hornets Chris Paul obviously leading the way 21 or excuse me 23.7 points per game paired with 10.7 assists and 2.6 steals David West coming in clutch the veteran leading this team 21 point or excuse me 20.1 points per game 9.3 rebounds and then Peja at 12.9 points per game behind 40 almost 48 percent from three-point land shooting Tyson Chandler not getting the quite the double double that he was averaging during the regular season which obviously is much more desired in a situation like this averaging 8.6 points and 9.6 rebounds for the series so nobody in this series uh for the for the Hornets averaging double digits in rebound. So an unfortunate end to what was a magical season for the Hornets. This was another situation, and, and I made reference to the Saints a little bit ago, of New Orleans overcoming the difficulties of Katrina, the 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 absolute devastation of New Orleans and and the teams had to move and and the Saints, you know, they went to the NFC Championship that year and unfortunately they lost to the Bears, but um this these are the type of things that provide hope and provided hope to the uh, the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana in what was an extremely extremely difficult time in a time of recovery and and these franchises and these organizations helped out the community in so many different ways and um whether or not they won the title, they did a lot of good for New Orleans. And pair that with George Shin really trying to tear the whole thing down so he doesn't have to pay anyone. CP3 being in his second year, uh, an MVP candidate, Peja Stoyakovich. God, I love that guy. David West and um, <laughs> Chris Anderson, of course, for those five games. Um this would have this would be an excellent documentary. I, I personally believe as as 
someone who was really getting into the sport at the time. This was one of my favorite, favorite seasons that the Hornets Pelicans have had. Just so much fun to watch. And I would, I would, I would love to see a documentary on this team. Another option that I threw on the poll that was my personal idea was that semi uh, semi round semifinals semifinals semi round second round of the playoffs. That's that'll work. Second round of the playoffs for the Pelicans in the 2017-2018 season. That season the Pels went 48 and 34 and that was the first what would have been the full season that DeMarcus Cousins and AD had played together. This team started off 27 and 21. Both made the all-star team. DeMarcus Cousins was averaging 25.2 points per game, 12.9 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.6 blocks, and 1.6 steals. And meanwhile, AD was putting up his career best season statistically averaging 28.1 points per game, 11.1 rebounds, 2.6 blocks, and one and a half steals per contest. This team started off 27 and 21 and looked to be a legitimate threat. And while that's not an incredible record by any means, it's a hell of a lot better than what, than what they were the year prior, even acquiring DeMarcus Cousins that year before and not making the playoffs. And then Cousins for his Achilles and that was the last we saw of him in a Pelicans uniform. This was the season before he was he decided to sign with the um, Golden State Warriors. This was among the time that DeMarcus Cousins was viewed as toxic for a locker room. Not a guy you want around. They shipped him out of Sacramento. Vladdy Divac probably made one of the worst trades of all time. Um, and he got Buddy Heald. I mean, <laughs> uh, Heald's a really good shooter and he scores plenty, but did it make Sacramento better? No. And it was a ballsy move by the front office in New Orleans. You had to love it at the time because it was a screw it. We're going to try to do all we can to get AD to stay to um, to be successful now because we have this superstar. We have Drew Holiday. We have Rajon Rondo on the roster who's we'll, – we'll get into that in a second. But um, I love the move. You can start there with the documentary and move forward where they acquired him and, and the choosing AD in the – what was it? 2012 NBA draft, and then um, his his ascension to superstardom in New Orleans, and then move forward from there. But um, this season had a lot of promise, and it looked to have all fallen apart once Demarcus got hurt. Yes, there was talent around him: Nikola Mirotic, you know, Drew, um, Etwan Moore, and such. But um, Demarcus and AD were the focal point of the franchise, and for good good reason. Prior to that, this injury, Demarcus was arguably probably a top, probably a top fifteen player in the league, and I would even give him more credit. I would not be surprised if people argued top ten. I won't go top five, but an extremely talented guy, and, and that front court was absolutely something to be reckoned with. When you put Anthony Davis and prime Demarcus Cousins pre-injury on the court at the same time, it's going to be scary. That's <laughs> That's pretty well documented. And like I said, Rajon Rondo was around. He had some playoff heroics with the Bulls. I believe it was the year prior. And I'd be interested to see his personality <laughs> paired with Drew, who's 
a pretty chill guy. AD, you know, what? we don't really, I don't know. I, I can't really get a read on that guy. I don't know. He's not, he's an interesting fellow. But pair Rajan with uh, DeMarcus Cousins on the same team, that would be interesting. That would be something I'd want to see. That would be something I'd want to hear about. Absolutely. Anywho, while the season looked bleak after DeMarcus Cousins went down with that injury, that was a little bit about halfway through. I believe AD wore his uh, jersey in the All-Star game, which was a really feel-good moment. I I think a lot of us enjoyed that. A lot of us enjoyed seeing that. But uh, this team wrote it out. They, They won as much as they could in what was a difficult uh western conference i think that the conferences have balanced out now in terms of power um but that's a topic for another time at that point in time the western conference was extremely 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 better than the eastern conference uh and that kind of extended for i don't know probably like a 10-year period there but in the playoffs the pels ran into the blazers in the first round, the three-seeded Blazers and the sixth-seeded Pelicans would face off in the first round of the NBA playoffs in the 2017-2018 season. And fun fact, I went back and checked everything out. All 22 analysts, experts, whatever you want to call them, from ESPN, and I, it was either an article or, or a broadcast of some sort that ESPN put together, all 22 experts they had vote had the Blazers winning that series, all 22 of them. Not a single one thought the Pelicans would win and advance to the second round to face off against the Golden State Warriors in the 2017-2018 season. And fair enough, when you got a guy like Damian Lillard on your squad, it's hard to to pick against him. And in that season, the Blazers finished third in the NBA Western Conference. Obviously, I think I already said that, but um, with a 49 and, tw- and 33 record, so just one game better than the Pels, you'd think that it'd be a little different considering the circumstances of being just one game apart Uh, this team was plenty talented I mean they weren't the greatest team of all time by any means I mean you got Damian Lillard you got CJ McCollum uh, Yusuf Nurkic was I mean good at the time not anything like he what he became uh, before that injury Mo Harkless Pat Connaughton Zach Collins I believe was a rookie that year hasn't really done a whole lot in the NBA but he contributes Al Farouk Aminu uh, Evan Turner was on this team Caleb Swanigan um, Shabazz Napier got some quality minutes that season um, and in this season uh, D. Lilly was averaging 26.9 points per game and 6 point assists while CJ McCollum was putting up 21.4 points per game that season as well and then Yusuf Nurkic at 14.3 and uh, Al Farouk Aminu, Aminu excuse me, putting up 9.3 points and 7.6 rebounds per contest so a talented team. And when you think about Damian Lillard, his clutch performances in the NBA, it's very easy to say this team is better than the Pelicans, especially without DeMarcus Cousins. But then you think about defense, and it's like, well, I don't know. D. Lilly and uh, C.J. McCollum aren't necessarily known for their defense. Yusuf Nurkic has become a rim protector and such, but <laughs> really thinking about it, at the time, when you think about AD and Drew being, well, Drew being one of the best perimeter defenders for the last like five, six, seven, eight, however many years, uh, Drew has been one of the top perimeter defenders in the NBA. Um, and then, you know, Rajon Rondo being playoff Rajon Rondo, uh, 
Depel showed up when apparently everyone thought they wouldn't. Drew and AD went off in this series, combined for 88 points in the last game of that sweep. Not only did the Pels beat them, they freaking swept them. Pels walked into Portland, defended their home floor, and just wiped the floor with the Portland Trailblazers. So, and this was a situation where that would make you think, hey, maybe AD will be around long term. At least in retrospect, maybe not. Maybe we weren't even thinking about that necessarily. But now, right now, it's easy to think that way, that he he won't request a trade. But he he did the literally the next year. Uh, was not as successful as the Pels would have liked him to be in, or the franchise to be in his tenure while there. Ultimately, the team went on to face the Warriors in the second round, did steal one game against the Warriors where I believe, I think AD went off like crazy in that one. Yeah, he did score 33 points and tallied 18 rebounds in that one. And and the Pelicans had a 54-36, excuse me, uh, edge in, in points in the paint versus the Warriors in, in that one game that they did win. And um, the the Pels played better from a defensive standpoint, also limited the Warriors to 38% shooting overall and 29% um, from beyond the arc. It was a pretty impressive 119 to 100 victory, uh, and it was a 2-1 lead for the, for the Warriors at that point. Ultimately, they did win the next two games. And then following that season, the Pelicans decided to move on from DeMarcus Cousins with the Achilles injury, and he did head west to the uh to the bay um and then we know what happened after that not not the greatest season and speaking of what happened after that the third thing that i thought of in this poll would be that of cp3's and ad's departure which even even chris paul's to being traded away that still feels like too soon like these are the two guys in New Orleans in terms of the the franchise's history. You look at lists of these are the 30 best players of all time. Like my, my employer Fanside, Fansided Light has done that in the offseason with different franchises of like 25 best players of all time. And, and historically, it's been Chris Paul and Anthony Davis and there's really no argument. I mean, you can throw Baron Davis in there if you if you tally whole career um and of course David West in there and and my guy Peja's in there as well but it's just been a short time that New Orleans has had an NBA team therefore it's really it's really CP3 and AD up there and, and we'll see where Zion goes we'll see where Lonzo goes we'll see where Brandon Ingram goes and I want to throw Etwan Moore in there in that top 30 Darius Miller I think deserves a spot in there as well but these are the two guys for New Orleans Pelicans basketball history we don't need to talk about AD right now. That wound might still be fresh for a lot of you, for uh, a lot of Pelicans fans. And for, for all we know, he could be in Chicago next year anyway. If you haven't seen the tweet uh, that the Bulls put up of the Davis 3 that has blown up on, on Twitter, it was one of those things where tweet or give us your last name and a number and we'll tweet it out. And everybody's like, oh, that's tampering. I think it's funny. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to it because, hey, Pelicans are going to be successful for years to come without your ass. So, 
I mean, and we're we're all familiar with the situation being that it happened just a year ago. His frustration with lack of success and them not surrounding weapons around him, so therefore he was traded. Um, and we'll talk about that again in a second here. But so the AD three, or excuse me, AD and CP three departures. For CP3, this was happening because the franchise was run so poorly. Uh, his, his his agent told the franchise that he didn't want to be a part of it and he wanted to be traded to the Knicks. It wasn't because of the city. It, it, I just read a couple articles that that CP3 cried when, when he left the airport, when he had to say goodbye to all of his teammates, all of his friends in New Orleans, how New Orleans uh, had, had accepted him as one of their own and um, one of our own and he really it really all hit him in the on the plane ride he said it it, the article that I had read said that he put his head up against the window and cried Um, and that doesn't just happen if you're really disgusted with the franchise and the town and the city excuse me as a whole and I think this would be I guess maybe some level of closure for CP3 even I, I think that'd be awesome I think Given the situation that he's in on this last, I think next year might be his last deal, last year in Oklahoma City. It might be this year too. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure of the extent of the deal. (laughs) He got a stupid amount of money, so it'd be dumb for him to opt out of that contract. But who knows? Maybe in the latter years of his his contract, uh, not, not his contract, but his NBA career, maybe he'll make a return to New Orleans, be a backup for Lonzo. Uh, that's a, a topic for a whole nother conversation, uh, for a whole nother podcast. But when CP3 had demanded this trade, he was originally going to be shipped to Los Angeles to the Lakers. And obviously, at that point in time, David Stern vetoed that that deal this was prior to Adam Silver, obviously, who's a much more player-friendly commissioner as opposed to David Stern, who was a little bit more of a hard-ass. <clears throat> uh, which, rip. I mean, the dude brought the NBA to the forefront in the world. So that guy is great. And he was great on this Last Dance documentary, too. That's another plug for you. But, um, of course, he was originally going to go to the Lakers. That was vetoed. Uh, and then... He was still sent to L.A. uh, to the Clippers in December of 2011. And that trade was made. He was exchanged for guard Eric Gordon. uh, Guard, you know. For Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, and Al Farouk Amino. And then Minnesota's unprotected first-round pick, which ended up being Austin Rivers. The Clippers also received two future second-round picks. I didn't look into who those were, but yeah. And ultimately, I think the the exchange, it would be a Chris Paul documentary if this were to, what I'm about to say would happen. But it could be factored in, how did the Clippers not win a championship? Because they had J.J. Redick. Uh, shout out to our guy. Uh, CP3, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Jamal Crawford. Like, Did they have Lou Williams at one point in time? I think they did too. That team was loaded. Lob City was good, and they just never got it done. And I think starting with, if you just do like a CP3 documentary, his career has been crazy. He's been outspoken. I believe he's the VP or the president of the Players Union. I think it'd be great to do a documentary on maybe even just Chris Paul, not necessarily his departure from New Orleans, but just his collective career. The fact that he was hasn't won a championship, the fact that he played with James Harden, 
and, and played in that system and they almost beat the Warriors and then he got hurt and uh, now he's in Oklahoma City for a second time technically. So I think that'd be really interesting. Um, and then of course AD's departure, uh, how New Orleans really just was not happy with him, how he was removed from, I believe, a logo that the team uh, showed prior to game starting, and and you know he just really it could have handled that better. I think that'd also be interesting. And you, the fan, did say so actually in the poll. Ultimately, the overwhelming favorite was CP3 or AD's departures at fifty three point one percent. It was a clear in a way by uh, nearly doubling second place, which was the 17-18 made the semis team. And then the 07-08 Hornets, the 56-26 team, which ended up at 18.8%. And then other seasons or moments, I believe probably got one vote, (laughs) ended at 3.1% for the poll, which as I'm speaking has 12 minutes left. So this might change by... uh, by the time this pod is up, but uh, you, the fan, spoke, and you let me know, too, who those other options, or what those other options would be for a Pelicans documentary, and some good stuff from y'all, some some stuff that I maybe considered, I, I considered a couple different things, but then came up with my best, my best three, but you, the fan, spoke, and this is some excellent, excellent stuff from Christian Maxwell himself. Yes, you, Christian Maxwell. I'm gonna I'm gonna share your handle here, uh, so people know it's Maxwell Chris 17. Go follow your boy, Christian. Guy's got 337 followers. He's on the come up. But Christian said, the entirety of last offseason, 2019. We know all of that crazy stuff came to fruition in. New Orleans trading Anthony Davis, acquiring a plethora of picks. I've talked about this pretty frequently as of late, actually. Josh Hart, B.I., Blant, Lonzo, and then those first four, or those four first round picks. New Orleans added J.J. Redick from Philadelphia, added Nicolo Melli, who's a 27 year old rookie. I believe he's 27. He might be 29. I can't remember. Italian. And then Darius Miller was extended this offseason. Unfortunately, he tore his Achilles this summer. Um, and wasn't able to return. It'll be really good to have him back this coming season. Add some depth. Add some uh, ability to to open up the floor for Zion to do work. He's a good shooter. Um, excited to see him back in the lineup. And then, of course, in the draft, Zion was taken first overall when the Pelicans had a six percent chance of winning that first overall um, pick. And and we've seen ESPN's commercial of of the Pelicans freaking out. They're like, ah, we got the first overall pick, and rightfully so. New Orleans has just welcomed Zion with open arms, and it's been so good. Oh, God. Zion appreciation moment. Like, if you've ever been in a choir or anything like that, there's some songs from, like, the frickin' 1500s that people sing. God save the king. Long live the king. And, yes, the king in basketball is LeBron James, but God freaking save Zion's knees. Oh, man. Praying for that every day for you, my guy, Zion. I love you. We haven't met yet. We will soon, I'm sure. Jackson Hayes was acquired this offseason. Nikhil Alexander-Walker acquired this offseason. Alexander-Walker, I think he was the MVP of the of something in the summer league. I can't think of it off the top of my head. He's got a future in the NBA. Had some difficulties this season. It's a deep roster. 
Um, he doesn't necessarily need to be a all star or a star in general um, right away. And then, of course, like I said, Jackson Hayes showing a lot of potential this season. Super athletic, stupid good dunker. If he can become a rim protector, that would be awesome. Maybe thicken up a little bit. Um, would love to see that from Jackson Hayes. And then <laughs> the Pels acquired, hired, I should say, Swin Cash, who's now an, uh, a basketball Hall of Famer. She played in the WNBA. Trajan Langdon and Griff, David frickin' Griffin. I just had a moment of appreciation for Zion, but good God, thank the Lord in heaven that the Pelicans were able to acquire, to, to hire David Griffin, bring this guy in to make all these moves, grab all these guys in the draft. And he's just got, he's got a championship pedigree with LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that man knows basketball, man. He knows what he is doing, knows what he's talking about. Incredible leadership. He's good to go. Love that man. And then from Dotson, comma, just Dotson, period. His at is doing it, Dotson. I believe he has a Pelicans podcast, but this is the only one you need to listen to. Shout out to you, Dotson. Thanks for listening. Maybe we'll have you on. That'll be a conversation to be had. Hit me up on Twitter, bro. We'll see. But he had mentioned the Katrina trips from NOLA to OKC, and just that in itself would be interesting. And, I mean, I talked about it a little bit early on um, in today's podcast, but that'd be, I think it'd be good stuff. Factor that in maybe with that 07-08 season, just to say they had to go here, and then Chris Paul was the rookie of the year, and then we came back, and here we are winning in New Orleans, and um, really doing a lot of good for, for the city, and... I think you put those two things together and you got an awesome documentary. The team was not as successful in Oklahoma City as they were the following year, obviously, when they returned to New Orleans. Uh, but Oklahoma City really embraced the team. Uh, I read in a couple articles that it was just very clear that, I mean, us New Orleans peeps wanted the the Hornets back and they felt pulled to come back to New Orleans and had to leave a franchise and, and not a franchise, but a city that opened up their arms to them in a time of need. Um, and thank, I mean, thank you, Oklahoma city for, for taking the team and, and for um, embracing them so well, but new Orleans was the Hornets home. And this ultimately paved the way for Seattle, the franchise to move to Oklahoma city and become the thunder and make a run to the NBA title. And they didn't win it, but uh, faced off against LeBron James in the heat with a young trio that didn't stay together much longer after that, which needs to be a documentary in itself. Thunder buddies. I think that went viral on, on Twitter for a little while, but just, it's been a short time that the Hornets slash Pelicans have been in, in new Orleans, uh, 18 years. It's a lot of good memories. I just put together a, and I'm going to go back and produce this, edit it up, make sure it sounds good. But right now I'm sitting at 44 minutes and I'm talking to myself here. And this is a lot of really cool heartfelt moments that have happened with this franchise. And again, it's been 18 years, been a lot of ups and downs, been a lot of mediocre seasons, like I said, but there's been a lot of really freaking cool moments. And Pels fans, thank you for being a part of it all. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for tuning in. And lastly, before I let you go, I told you, I told you hashtag Pelicans Twitter 
to engage. <laughs> and our guy Declan slash Proud Somali came through. This is, these are the OG Pelicans Twitter guys. And if you want to be a part of that crew, we'll welcome you with open arms. We're just like Oklahoma City and New Orleans when when the Pel or the, excuse me the Hornets came back in 07-08. But my guys, David J. Barclay, my guys, Footy Genius. Two two nine one zero. That makes me lose it every time. Uh, Charlie, Charlie, Sam, Colin. This dude whose name is period slash tag or excuse me slash tag hash at hater underscore of underscore var and oh Colin, Colin, my guy. But Declan responded to the tweet. <laughs> I'm not talking about the second part of my podcast because that is just some funny stuff. What he responded in accordance with Louisiana statute. If you <laughs> if you're interested in that, go check it out on my Twitter. Uh, he responded to one of my tweets, but first one said, "Hey, bro, I would like to like to ask you to address this question here. Thanks. Have a nice one with a thumbs up emoji." And it's a <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's a picture of Joe Biden says, if Joe really knows how to fix America, how come he never told Obama? <laughs> this, this is not this is not a political podcast. That's not the goal here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. But you, Declan, you asked the question. And I don't know, man. I don't know. He was clearly more put together at that point in time. And maybe going senile has has helped him figure it out. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's the best I got for you. I'm actually pretty involved and very invested in politics. No, I, I'm not going to be any, endorsing anyone on this podcast. But uh, appreciate appreciate the uh, the engagement on Twitter, Declan. You're you're an OG. <laughs> And if you keep coming with Pelicans content, I'll do a little bit more in-depth, uh, in-depth analysis on on such on 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 your comments. But uh, appreciate it either way. You're getting attention to the podcast, man, and, and other fellow OG Pelicans Twitter guys, um, and it's much appreciated. And I, if you keep coming back, I'm gonna. If you keep responding to tweets, I'm gonna keep sharing your thoughts on here. And that doesn't just go for hashtag Pelicans Twitter. These 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 guys that I had just mentioned, but um, everyone want you involved. I just added Christian Maxwell. I just added uh, Dotson to to the to the crew that we've got going. And and I appreciate you all listening, and I appreciate you all engaging on Believe in New Orleans Pelicans because this podcast is not about me. It is about you and you alone here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Before I let you go today, today, right meow, go follow me on Twitter. You'll be getting a ton of Pelicans content there. You're going to be getting all the links to the pods, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Um, check it out. It's at Elliot Clough. And Anytime you engage with me on Twitter, whether I say it's about a podcast or not, and I'm tweeting about the Pelicans, I'm going to share your opinions here on this podcast. If you want other people to know you, to go follow you on Twitter, you can check it out. Just respond to any of my tweets. Just at me out of the blue. I don't even give a frick. 
Uh, and you can always hashtag what the Pell is up. And I'm going to be putting that hashtag on just about everything now. Um, I haven't been doing a very good job of that on Twitter, but hashtag what the Pell is up. And while you are here, while you are right here in this very moment, leave a rate and review and don't forget to subscribe. Do it to this podcast. The more you do that, the more engagement we're going to get, the more guests we're going to get, the better quality content we are going to be getting for you here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can check them out on a plethora of their other pod, or check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com, or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast right here and you can check out my pelicans coverage for fan sided's hoops habit website just click west and scroll down to new orleans pelicans you're going to find my coverage there i got another article coming at you later this week it's going to be about this what are some and i'll, I'll be i'll be uh I'll be brainstorming some other situations, maybe some moments that would be great for a documentary for the Pelicans, but I'm going to be going even more in depth on all of these suggestions here. Top five moments or or seasons that the Pelicans uh, could do a documentary on. Partner with ESPN, partner with Fox Sports, Nola, etc. Don't forget to come back tomorrow. We got Chris Connor of The Bird Rights via SB Nation. He's been on a ton of other podcasts. I'm excited to get a guy that is a Pelicans guy on the podcast rather than a Boston, uh, Detroit, whatever. And if you missed any of the other guest stuff, that's some really good quality content too. But we got a strictly New Orleans Pelicans guy coming on, and I'm very excited to talk some Pels with him. Very, very excited for that. Don't forget to shoot me. Any thoughts that you have regarding the podcast, regarding Pelicans, stuff in general, just at Elliot Clough. You can hashtag what the Pell is up. Do it! And just so you know, my name is right there. You, you slide, you whatever, you do fingerprint, you, you'll see that my name is right there on that. Looks like an album cover, but it's like the picture thing for the podcast. It's spelled out right there. It's spelled a little bit uniquely, but you can find it on Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough, E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O. U-G-H. And with that said, I am Elliot Clough, and this is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.